We are I. I got asked to be able to break down why I think that, you know, it takes so many hours, like literally actual hours in a day to work out or to be, you know, active with movement to be able to lose weight. Like, you know, why is that? You know, something that I've stated multiple times that I know with inside myself that my body composition, you know, my strength may change a bit, but my actual body composition, you know, the contrast between lean body mass and fat mass, like what those percentages are like, like that doesn't change a whole lot with minimal activity. Like you can't dramatically change or it's very hard to be able to change your body composition unless you go into, you know, a a pretty big calorie deficit. And then you also always run the risk of chronic fatigue, but you also run the risk of, you know, really sacrificing some of that hard-earned lean body mass because you're calorie restricted. Now, if you hyper fine-tune this, if you spend a lot of time figuring out and dialing in exactly your macronutrients, your calories, blah, 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 you know, you have a really good fighting chance of preserving lean body mass while also at exactly the same time, you know, dropping fat mass, which, you know, some people have done this and this is great, but the vast majority, like, the very high percentage of people aren't going to do this because to hyperfine tune your calorie intake to be able to lose weight like this and preserve lean body mass, most people are going to have to hire somebody and very, 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 very few people understand how to be able to do this uh, properly, professionally, to be able to relay that information onto clients properly. And it's a long process. It's not something that happens quickly overnight. Now, let's get into a superficial but very key answer to the why does this happen or why is it necessary? It's because, again, the sedentary nature of human beings these days is astronomically high. When we look at actual just movement in a day, this is the reason why 10,000 steps you know, became a thing and it's still a thing and people have this as a benchmark because all it does is say, hey, like just get out and move a little bit. And 10,000 steps, it seems like a lot. It's this big number, 10,000. Well, 10,000 of anything is a lot, isn't it? It's like, well, in steps, it's actually not a lot. It seems like a lot because the number 10,000 is high, but it's actually not a lot of steps and it's not a lot of steps in relationship to calories burnt, and it's not a lot of steps in regards to health and fitness. And the worst part is, is if this 10,000 steps is a critical part and has a big impact on your health and fitness, it's supposed to show the sedentary state of your life. Now, is it great that you've embarked on this mission? Yes, absolutely. No refuting that. Is it Is there an expiration to this actually being beneficial to you when it comes to calories burnt and increasing your health and fitness? Absolutely. Because there gets to be a point where it's just not enough. And somebody says, well, 10,000 steps, I could take me between like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half, you know, somewhere around in there. And it's like, well, yeah, great. 
But human beings were designed to move all the time. Human beings have always used their body. So our furnace inside of our body, you know, that burns these calories, you know, down at a cellular level. And, you know, what we're really talking about here is the Krebs cycle. The Krebs cycle is your powerhouse on your body, the the conversion of glucose to ATP. This is our, our power center, glucose, just blood sugars, blood sugars, just calories, food you put in your body, bloodstream, liver, and ATP is muscle energy. You know, this is how we are going to burn this. Now, this is kind of right here's, I guess, the unintentional perfect segue into explaining this. Now, most people, you know, if you've ever been in a gym environment or have an athletic or an athletic environment, have heard of doing fasted cardio or cardio in the morning because it burns more calories. And it's like, well, why is this? And it's partially and, you know, mostly because you don't have any other food in your body, you know, to be able to try to burn through. You haven't put in these excess calories, your glycogen levels are depleted. And this is the whole point because let's, let's throw out some actual tangible numbers here. And this is, I think, kind of easier for people to understand. Now, your bloodstream your blood can hold between 350 and 500 um, grams of sugars in it, glucose. Now, this equates to, you know, when you kind of break down the numbers, what, you know, if you're uh, 20, blah, 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 you're kind of looking at about, say, just under 2,000 calories, you know, all the way up to, you know, if you're 500 grams you're looking at about, yeah, 2,000 calories, you know, to a low threshold of maybe like, what, 1,300? You're kind of looking somewhere in that range, just trying to do some quick math in my mind at 4.45 in the morning. So if you just say, okay, look at this from 1,250 calories up to 2,000 calories of, you know, energy that's stored in your blood. Now, we also have the liver here too, which has glycogen in it, which, you know, is between... 100 to 120 grams. Well, this is, you know, another few hundred calories. This is kind of like your backup in your reserve before your body starts to metabolize adipose tissue into glucose because it's like, well, glycogen is already glucose. Glycogen is easy. It's already there. It's just like that that quick energy for the body. But if we tally up the two of these in its totality, you know, you can have on the low end, about 1500 calories to a high end of about 2250. Well, most people, when they go in to be able to do any kind of physical working out, you know, most people are going to be burning about three to 500 calories. And therein lies the problem. So if you go burn three to 500 calories, but in your body, before you even start to burn fat, you have, say, approximately, let's average it out about 1,800. You have about 1,800 calories worth of energy that your body is going to use first before it starts to metabolize fat. Like, just think about that. So you are burning 30% of the available quick energy in your body before you start to metabolize fat. It's like, huh. Well, this is where time comes in. This is where time is a necessity because if you're like, okay, well, I'm going to work out for 45 minutes to an hour. How on earth do you plan on changing your body composition? How do you plan on burning fat mass? 
or like how how do you do this so this is this is that crossroads this is that juxtaposition of now you have knowledge and understanding okay well if i burn say i'm i'm kind of pushing it so i'm good you know zone 2 zone 3 cardio like i'm i'm pushing it or i'm lifting some weights and i'm burning about say 500 calories an hour but i'm doing this during the day i've already ate you know so i've already ate and my blood sugar levels are the highest they're going to be and the glycogen in my liver is you know um at it at its highest at its peak so that right there if we go back onto this like 1800 calories we know we need to work out for about three and a half hours now is that a definite no but it's it's an understanding so if you work out for about three and a half hours, this is where you now know that you've burnt the glycogen in your in your bloodstream. This is where you know you've burnt the glycogen in your liver. Now your body's going to start to metabolize adipose tissue to be able to you know convert that those that fat those lipids into glucose, so that that glucose can go into the Krebs cycle. The Krebs cycle then converts that to ATP. Then your body can use it as energy, and that's the role of lipids in the body. That's the role of adipose tissue. It's just, it's stored glucose in a different form. So your body can't store glucose in the form of glucose, except for in the, the bloodstream, the muscles, the liver. It has to be able to store it, you know, as something else, which this is where, you know, adipose tissue was created. So when we looked at it, it takes about three and a half hours, and let's just call it three hours, which is, you know, maybe more like four, but let's just call it three hours. You need to do three hours of, you know, moderate activity, three hours of, you know, moderate to high intensity of anything. Like you're talking, this is where like the, the power walk, the jog, the lifting weights. And, you know, will that, that, will that time vary a bit based on activity? hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, you could probably get that down to, you know, maybe two hours, you know, all the way up to maybe five hours, you know, it's a fluctuating scale. It's not a hard number. But again, this is an understanding of why people say they have such a hard time losing weight. So then you stack that onto top on top of people, you know, not eating healthy. And especially people who are having a lot of liquid calories, like, you know, 600 calorie drinks at Starbucks. And multiple glasses of wine a day or multiple beers a day or anything along these lines. And this is why construction workers, this is why laborers can get away with, you know, eating like shit and drinking these beers because, you know, they basically are going out for eight or 10 hours every day. And they're doing that kind of zone two cardio simply just by working on top of that, even if they may go to the gym after that. So these are the things. But somebody who's sitting in an office all day is not. So this is where when people feel mentally and emotionally exhausted, so then they convince themselves that they're physically exhausted, which isn't true. Their body hasn't physically done anything, but their body physically just feels run down and beat up because they're mentally and emotionally exhausted. So this is the battle. This is the battle we live in today. And this is the battle that's getting worse because again, like, you know, I look at kids and I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. You know, if you're a child now, when I was a child, I had to walk to the corner store to get my candy. When I was a child, I had to ride my bike to get my candy. You know, when I was a child that 
there's a lot of times when I didn't go by myself, but I had to wait for a friend to come over, which might have been hours. And then who knows, we might have stopped at the park along the way or went to the park after we got our candy. You know, rarely did we go back home and just sit there and did it happen? Absolutely. You know, but we were eating candy, running around. We were eating candy, riding bikes. We were eating candy, kicking the soccer ball around. We were eating candy, playing at the park. We were eating candy, doing all these things. Again, you were very mobile. As a child, we were very mobile. But what I was talking about with one of my friends was, you know, kids legitimately get Uber Eats and skip the dishes to bring Slurpees and candy to their house. There's no denying that. Like, that's real. Like, think about that for a second. What is that going to do to them as an adult? When you're getting blizzards, McFlurries, candy, Slurpees, pop, blah, 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 ice cream, all this shit. Uber Eats or skip the dishes. You know, because in a lot of cases, it's only a few dollars to be able to get these things brought to your house. So... It's scary. This is the part to me that really worries me about where we're going. And again, we see it a lot in adults today because, you know, where it's not candy, it's alcohol. Where it's not candy, it's food. Where it's not, where the lack of mobility, the lack of exercise, the lack of physically moving the body, even under great circumstances. And like I said, I say this in relationship to my own body. Like I try to eat as healthy as I can. Try to eat for what I believe is the best for my body. But I've said this at nauseum that I know that I have to do two a days to see a, a great physical body composition change in myself. There has to be a time where I'm just allocating time to doing cardio, different kinds of workouts where I do the greatest success that I'm going to see in my body composition changes if I do half an hour of cardio in the morning half an hour to 40 minutes. If And if I lift weights, slow heavy weights a few days a week and a really high intensity workout a few days a week. So in a cumulative nature that I'm doing approximately five or six 30 to 40 minute cardio sessions in the morning and I'm doing approximately five or six different styles of lifting weights during that same week on top of how I eat. That's how I'm going to see body composition changes in me. And a lot of this is because we have this approximately, you know, what, 1,250, let's call it because of the liver glycogen, let's call it, you know, 1,350 to 2,350, thousand calories difference. So we have 1,350 to 2,350 calories worth of energy in the body. And again, I'm trying to pause to emphasize just allowing that number to be able to sink in when the average person is going to burn probably 350 to 400, maybe 500 calories in an hour. But more likely than not, the average person when they go to work out is going to burn about 350 to 400 calories per hour working out. Like that's just the reality. So we we ask ourselves, well, why don't we see changes in our body composition? Though, well, this is the reason why. This right here, this is the inherent. This is the inherent crossroads 
between now you have this knowledge, you have this understanding, and like these are this is just reality. This is not Blake's bro science. Like you can look up liver glycogen, you can look up muscle glycogen, you can look up how many calories worth of liver glycogen does your body have, and you can look up how many calories does your bloodstream have in it of glycogen. You can look these things up. You can also look up will my body burn adipose tissue while it still has uh, glycogen floating around in the bloodstream. And you'll get all the information you want. It'll take you 10 minutes to be able to very quickly read all this, to have an understanding that what I'm saying there is true. Then if you want to go further into the calculation saying, well, how many calories does the average person burn per hour working out? Okay, well, there's four calories per gram uh, in carbohydrates, which glucose is a carbohydrate. You know, you can calculate the amount of, you know, available glycogen in the liver and transfer that into calories. You can add the calories to that and same thing with glycogen in the bloodstream. And you can come up with those same numbers I'm telling you right now. It's going to be about between 1,350 and 2,350 calories. And you can do the math. You can do the math that says, okay, well, if the average person is burning about 350 to 400 calories per hour, and you have, say, 1,350 to 2,350 calories worth of energy in the body, it's like you know that you now need to do hours worth of activity just to burn through that glycogen that's in the in the body. And then you can see where then overeating and supplementing more calories and never allows you to be able to get to a point where you're not just burning glycogen that's in the in the liver and in the bloodstream. So how are you ever going to burn adipose tissue? How are you ever going to convert that adipose tissue into glucose? And this is one of the things that makes us metabolically flexible and allows us to be able to properly use and produce insulin. And this is what makes us not insulin resistant. And this is what also creates insulin resistance. Like this is where a whole host of, you know, problems comes in because people overeat and we never allow our body to be able to properly burn through all the glycogen that we have in our body to be able to have even a hope to be able to start to break down adipose tissue. And this is the whole concept behind uh, ketogenic diets and intermittent fasting and fasting in general. Like this is, this is that concept. So hopefully that you've gained a little bit of knowledge here, a little bit of understanding, whether or not you believe it or not, you can, like I said, spend 10 minutes, even five minutes, and you can come to this same understanding, whether or not that you buy into it or not, it's actually just real, like you can't deny it. And none of it's really that hard to be able to understand. So again, I encourage you always to be able to do your own research, but you're going to see the same numbers and figures that I just spouted out. So on this Monday morning, we're starting off with a little bit of education. Hope that you guys all had a wonderful weekend and tomorrow is another day.